We started a new series uh, two weeks ago, but it's, we took a break, and so it's been a couple of weeks. So let me remind you what we talked about last week, Here's what, or two weeks ago, rather. Here's what we said two weeks ago, that you can be educated by learning a lot of facts and experienced by living a lot of years, but wisdom, that's what we're talking about this month, wisdom hinges on your relationship with the Lord, that wisdom and knowledge and discernment begins by fearing the Lord, being in awe of God. And the closer we get to God, the greater the wisdom we will have. You see, some things, some things are not difficult. For most of us, some things are not difficult. If you take a sip of coffee, most of us can tell pretty easily if that coffee is hot or cold. Uh, if you walk into a room, you can tell pretty quickly if it's dark Or light. If you hear a sound, you can tell whether that sound is loud or quiet. If you taste a food, you can taste if it's sweet or bitter. Those things are are fairly simple for most of us. Even children don't have a hard time discerning between those things. Some things are pretty easy to discern between. But what's difficult, what's challenging, what human beings since the beginning of time have always struggled with, is to know whether a behavior is right or wrong. Is this behavior, is this way of doing things, this way of treating people, this decision of mine or this decision of yours, is it a right behavior or is it a wrong behavior? Is it good or is it bad? And you see, we all have sort of a moral framework by which we kind of make those decisions and we say, this is a good behavior and this is a bad behavior. Behavior. For some of us, our moral framework is, is built sort of around tradition. Maybe that's the tradition of whatever culture you grew up in. Maybe it's the tradition of your, your particular family. Maybe it's just traditional American values. You've heard that before, traditional American values. And you sort of decide, we sort of decide, many of us decide that something is wrong or something is right, something is good or something is bad because it violates or it goes along with our traditional values. And if we really stopped and thought about the decisions that we make or the, the judgment calls that we make, and we say, I, I believe this way of doing things is wrong, or I believe this way of doing things is right, if you really were to stop and ask yourself, why, why do you believe that? Why, why do you call that good and that bad? It, it's probably because your parents told you this is the way things are supposed to be done. Or you might even say, well, our founding fathers, that's the way they did things. That's the way Americans have always done things. So that's why I sort of see things this way or that way. So some of us have sort of a traditional moral framework. And others of us sort of have a subjective moral framework. What I mean is we say, well, I sort of feel that this is right and you feel that it's wrong, but my feelings tell me that I should do things this way. And listen, if your feelings tell you you should do things a different way, then that's fine. And I'll just do things the way I feel they should be done. And you do things the way you feel they should be done. And so for some of us, our moral framework is purely subjective. It's based on our gut feelings. What what do we feel about a certain behavior? Do we feel that that behavior is right or do we feel that that behavior is wrong? And then for others of us, our moral framework is based kind of on shifting public sentiment. 
on, on our peer group, the people we listen to, the people we surround ourselves with, maybe the people we watch on TV or the people we follow online. And sort of when they are outraged by something, we think, well, if they're outraged by this, then I probably ought to be outraged by that. I, I respect their opinion, so if they see that as bad or wrong, then it probably is bad or wrong. Or if they're excited and passionate about something, then we think, well, then it's probably right, because they're all excited and passionate about that. But here's the big question is, how do you know when that moral framework breaks down? Whatever you're using to decide what's right or what's wrong, how do you know when you're wrong about that? How do you know when traditional American values are wrong? How do you know when your feelings are wrong? You feel like something is right and good and pure and somebody else feels like it's wrong. How do you know that you're right to say morals are purely subjective? How do you know when your your peers and, and public sentiment and feelings and hashtags and movements are, are right? And how do you know when they're wrong? How do you look at a behavior, whether that's your own behavior or someone else's behavior, and how do you decide whether that behavior is, is really, truly right and, and when it's wrong? If we're honest about that, it's a little bit scary, isn't it? To say, how how do I know? I know my parents did things this way, and I know that Americans have typically done things this way, and I know this is an American value, but how do I know it's a right value? And I know I feel like this is good, and I know I feel like this is right, but how do I know my feelings are correct? Or we say, I know that that this is a, a trending topic, and I know everybody that I know seems to think that this is the right way to do things, but how do I know that that's true? That, that's what we want to ask ourselves today is, how do we have the right sort of moral framework then, that we can know, even when it contradicts traditional values, and even when it contradicts our feelings, and even when it contradicts what our peer group is saying, we can know that we're doing and saying and believing and understanding what is right. So Proverbs chapter 2, and I think, again, I mean, that's relevant for all of us, isn't it? No matter your age or your generation, but, but here's the thing. If I go back just a slide, if you, if you don't mind, before we get to Proverbs 2. I, I interrupted myself, that's okay. Uh, so here, here's the thing, though, okay? Here's the thing, is that, that most of us think, well, I'm glad Wes is going to be talking about them, right? Those people that have the wrong sort of moral framework. Because most of us assume we have the right sort of moral framework, don't we? Most of us assume that it's you that makes bad decisions. Me, I make pretty good decisions. It's you that doesn't know the difference between right and wrong. I know the difference between right and wrong. And that's where we go wrong. From the very beginning is that sort of arrogance to think I'm already wise. I already have knowledge. I already have experience. I, I was trained really well. My parents taught me really well. I have a good feeling in my heart. I've always been able to trust my gut. I surround myself with wise people on Facebook and Twitter, and they're almost always right. Whatever it is that we're using to make our moral decisions, we almost always think we're already right. That's what we need to question today. Look at Proverbs 2 and verse 1. 
My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. Now, if you're familiar with what's called Hebrew parallelism, you'll see kind of the parallel lines and the parallel ideas that kind of go together. And as you read through Proverbs, you'll you'll read it. It's all written in lines, and either the line after it explains the line before it, or it contrasts two things. You see the you see the the similar words as you go through these verses: receive and treasure up and be attentive and incline your heart, and call out, and raise your voice, and seek for it like silver, and search for it like hidden treasure. What's the, what's the common theme there? What can we know for sure about this type of wisdom, and understanding, and discernment? It's that you can't get it by accident. You have to be intentional about it. You cannot be wise by accident. You're not born being wise. You might have been born with the ability to eat food and tell whether it was sweet or bitter. You might have been born with the ability to touch a service and tell whether it's rough or smooth, but you were not born with this type of wisdom and knowledge, and understanding. And you could have lived decades and decades and decades and may have not been intentional about receiving and inclining your heart and calling out and raising your voice. You see, wisdom takes intentionality. You can be a fool by accident, but you can't be wise by accident. Look at that last verse. What if we, what if we did that? What if we, what if we really sought wisdom like we were seeking silver? What if we really searched for it like it was hidden treasure? As opposed to what? As opposed to assuming you already have it. Because that's what most of us do, isn't it? We assume we already know. We assume we already understand. We assume we're already wise. So why seek for it? Why search for it? Because we believe we already have it. But if instead we really listen to these wise words and we say, I need understanding. I need wisdom. I need discernment. I don't understand what's right and what's good, what's pure, it's best. I don't really get it yet. And I want it. I want it so bad. I want it like it's treasure. What if we determined this day forward, we're going to be treasure hunters and we're going to seek wisdom as if it was silver and we're going to search for it as if it was hidden treasure. And we're not going to assume that it was handed down to us by traditional American values. And we're not going to assume that it's just a feeling in our gut that we already have. And we're not going to assume that whatever Twitter hashtag or Facebook trending topic, whatever is at the top of our news feed is correct and wise. We're not going to assume that whatever we hear on our favorite cable news network is right or good or wise We're going to say, I need wisdom and understanding, and I'm going to seek for it, and I'm going to search for it, and where will I find it? That, that's the question, isn't it? Where, where will I find it, and how will I find it? Well, look, look at the next verse, verse five. 
Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find, listen to this, the knowledge of who? God. God's knowledge. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Where does wisdom come from? Better question is, to whom does it belong? You see, this goes back to the very page one of your Bible, doesn't it? Page one of the Bible, human beings have always been trying to seize control of the knowledge of good and evil, haven't we? We want to lay claim to it rather than trusting that it belongs to God to tell us what's good and what's bad, what's right and what's wrong. We say, I want to be like God. I want to call the shots. I want to know. I want to be the one to determine what's right and what's wrong. And we keep looking to other human beings for this wisdom and knowledge and discernment. And we keep thinking we'll find it in all kinds of places. But, but here's, here's the truth is that wisdom and knowledge and discernment, right and wrong, belong to the Lord. And you can have it. You can know what he says is right and good. You can be wise in these ways, but you have to turn to the one who has that knowledge and wisdom and submit yourself to him. That means, that means you've got to become a Bible student. That's what we're doing. That's what Proverbs is all about, is to say, take this book, listen to these commandments and instructions and meditate on them and think about them and study them and memorize them and live by them. I think that's what Paul meant when he wrote to Timothy. You remember 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16, 17? He says all scripture, all of these writings that we call the Bible, all of this scripture is, there's a tricky word there in the Greek and, and, and different translations translated different, inspired by God or breathed out by God, or God breathed. It doesn't, it's not really about the Bible being perfect, although it is, and it's not really about where the Bible came from, although it did come from God, but the way Paul puts that sentence together is to say that all Scripture has God's breath in it, God's spirit in it, God's wisdom in it, and you use this Scripture to teach and admonish and train so that the man of God may be fully equipped for every, what, church? Good work, right? You want to know how to do good and right in the world? You want to know how to be trained and equipped to be a worker of good in the world? I mean, which one of us don't want to be a doer of good deeds in the world? To do the will of God in the world. To be a blessing to our neighbor. We all want that, don't we? But we assume we already know how to do that. But the revelation is, you don't. You don't just naturally know what's good. You know some things that are good, and other things you think are good are really perverse and you've been convinced by whoever kind of led you in that way, you've been convinced that that's good, and, it, and it's just not. I, I have too. We all have. And if we're going to know wisdom and discernment and knowledge, we're going to know what's good and right and pure, then we, we have to go to the source 
to God who, who knows wisdom, to Jesus who is wisdom embodied. He is the word of God become flesh. And we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to become followers of Jesus. We have to be covenant people of God and listen to him. And what, what if we did that, church? What if, what if we became the kind of people? What if you became the kind of person? What if I became the kind of person that we say, as much as I can, I'm going to seek God's wisdom and God's knowledge in the scriptures as often as like, I'm going to seek for it like I'm looking for silver in the ground, like I'm searching for hidden treasure. I'm going to go after it so that I can really know what's good and right and live a wise life in this world and be a blessing to others. Look at the next verse, verse 9. He says, then when you seek it from God and you know it comes from God, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. Just listen. Righteousness and justice and equity, fairness, are not political issues, they're spiritual issues. They're not political issues. The answers for what is right and what is just and what is fair, they do not come from political parties. They do not come from politicians. They do not come from laws. They do not come from documents written by man. God defines what is righteous what is just, what is fair. And if you want to know what is righteous and just and fair, then you can't be shaped by the wisdom of the world. You can't be shaped by the wisdom of your particular political party or your particular cable news network. You you can't be shaped by your channel on the radio. You can't be shaped by Facebook and Twitter. You have to be shaped by Scripture. God will show you what is righteous and what is just and what is fair. And God's people, church, listen, God's people must be on the front line in our community and our world. We must be on the front lines of showing people and teaching people what is righteous and just and fair. Why? Because without God, they cannot know. We're surprised when the world doesn't know what's righteous and what's just and what's fair. Neither would we, if not for the revelation of God. If it weren't for us coming into relationship with God, we would have a warped view of what is righteous and what is just and what is fair. These aren't political issues. They're spiritual issues. And we must be trained by the word of God, for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. Isn't that good? I mean, that's good, isn't it? Wisdom come into your heart, knowledge that's pleasant to your soul. And then he says, discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. You see, but, but so many of us, we walk through life unguarded. We walk through life without any wisdom or discernment, knowledge watching over us and guarding us. Because why? Because we think we've already got it. 
We think, I already know what's right and wrong. I already know what's good and bad. I already know what's pure. I mean, I listen to my heart, and my heart tells me I should do this, or I listen to my parents. When I was growing up, they taught me all these good values, or I, you know, I've got good friends around me, and they've said this and that. And whether we know it or not, we're unguarded, and we're walking through life being tricked and deceived being twisted and perverted because we really don't know. We really don't know unless, unless we go to the Lord and we let him train us and shape us and teach us. Look at verse 12. When we have this wisdom and knowledge and discretion and understanding, we're delivered from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. I mean, is this just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago when these words were penned? Are there still men of perverted speech Men who walk in the ways of darkness do evil and perverseness of evil. Their paths are crooked. You see, but, but here's the thing. Nobody, nobody knows they are. And you don't even really know you're listening to people like this unless the Lord has shaped you and trained you. But see, every fool assumes he's wise, Right? Every fool assumes he's wise, and every fool that listens to fool assumes he's listening to wise people. And we can so easily go through our life, and we can be as foolish as the day is long, not knowing that's what we're doing, listening to other foolish people. And there ought to be a certain amount of fear that we have, a certain amount of fear that says, I don't want to be tricked. I don't want to be deceived. I don't, I don't want... People making me think that something is right when it's really wrong. I don't want people making me think that something is wrong when it's really right. I don't want to be confused, and I don't want to be twisted up. That's, that's why we need this, the book of Proverbs, and the whole of Scripture, and Jesus himself as the embodiment of wisdom to show us when we've been acting foolish so that we repent of that. Show us what's right and good. How to treat our neighbor with wisdom. I mean, don't, don't you want that? I want to go to, I want all of us, I want us to go to work and treat our, our coworkers and our bosses and our employees with wisdom. And I want us to, to live in such a way that we treat our neighbor next door to us and people across town from us with wisdom. And I want us to, Students to go to school and treat their classmates with wisdom. Don't we all want that? How will we know? How will we know that we're, we haven't been tricked into believing that something is right when it's really wrong or wrong when it's really right? God has the wisdom. And here's what we need to do. We need to seek wisdom like your life depends on it, right? We need to seek wisdom like your life depends on it because you know what? It does. Seek wisdom like your life depends on it. Don't assume that you're already wise. Don't assume that because you grew up with good parents or good grandparents, or you grew up in a good neighborhood, or you grew up with good friends, or you have this reliable feeling in your heart. Don't assume that you're already wise. 
It's not to say all of that's wrong. Some of those things that you believe and hold dear might very well be right, but the only way to know whether it's right or wrong is to seek wisdom from the Lord. And not just casually to just say, well, yeah, that would be great. You know, I'd I'd, I'd like to be a little wiser. Seek it like your life depends on it. Seek it like it's silver. Seek it like it's hidden treasure. Seek it like you're going to die without it because you will. The, the only way to know wisdom is to know Jesus. And the first thing that we have to admit when we know Jesus is that we've been fools, haven't we? You've been a fool and I've been a fool. Humanity has been foolish. We've all been foolish and we've done what we wanted to do. We seized the fruit and we said, I want to call the shots. I want to be my boss. I want to do what I think is right and good. And we have to admit our foolishness. And we not only need wisdom from God, we need forgiveness from God. And we have to realize that that God, through Jesus, is the only source of grace and mercy and forgiveness and life and wisdom. So if you've not come to Jesus, don't think you need to wait around until you're wise to come to Jesus. That will never happen. It's only in admitting our foolishness and being united with Jesus in baptism, that we can begin the journey of figuring out how to live this life in wisdom. And we're still making mistakes. And we're still messing up. And that's why we still need to seek wisdom like our life depends on it, because it does. And that's why we need each other to teach each other and admonish each other. That's why you need to say to me, Wes, you were acting foolish. You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. I need to be wise enough to say, you're right, I was a fool. We need each other like that, don't we? And we need scripture to show us what real wisdom looks like, what righteousness looks like, what justice looks like, what fairness looks like. Let's be a people, you and me and all of us together, let's be a people that seek wisdom like our life depends on it, because it does. And the person in whom we will find that wisdom is Jesus the Christ. So if we can help you, listen, we can't know what's going on in your life unless you tell us, unless you're willing to share that with us. Don't be afraid to admit you've been foolish. I've been foolish as much, if not more, than anybody here. Our shepherds, I think, would admit that they've had moments of foolishness. We all have. We're all in this together. Go to the shepherds after services. Let them pray with you. It might not be your foolishness that's on your heart this morning. It might be somebody else's foolishness that's bumped up against your life and is affecting your life. It may just be the brokenness of this foolish world, but you need us and we need you and let's pray together. So go to them after service or or right now. There's something we can do for you. Come forward as we stand and sing.